Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Raider Nation Radio's Morning Tailgate. It's a Freestyle Wednesday. Hello, everybody. Clay Baker here with you alongside me today. Special guest host, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal and Cofield and Company. Very excited to have Adam a part of the show, and I know he's fired up. Uh, 69187 is the Salmon Ash text line. You can hit us up on Twitter at RNR920 AM and hit us up on the phones here at 702-365-9200 here on a Freestyle Wednesday. We'll talk to Eddie Borsilli at 8 o'clock from Sirius XM. We will also get in touch with Raiders legend Pete Banizek from the AFL champion Raiders, as well as the Super Bowl champion Oakland Raiders. He will join us at 9 o'clock to talk about Cliff Branch induction ceremony. And, of course, Wednesday 9.45, we always get street legal with our good friend Sam and Ash here on Raider Nation Radio. All right. It's finally happened. You and I are finally together <laughs> after all these years. It's uh, it's never happened. You and I being in sports radio for uh, well over twenty years, and we have never been in a show where you and I were actually the direct hosts. We've been like uh, I've been a board op producer, sidekick, yes, sure, guess, but this is the first time. And what a thrill it must be for you. <laughs> yes, but I was <laughs> thinking, here now. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, jumped at the opportunity once I heard. It. I said, "No, absolutely not. I'm not coming on." Oh, wait, it's with Clay. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited that it's Freestyle Wednesday. I don't even know what that means, but I'm excited for it. You know, it's something that it's from the creation of Heidi Fang. Okay, you know, you're never really sure what you're going to get from Heidi, but Heidi has got great ideas. And Heidi was like, "We need freestyle. We need uh, songs from the '80s and the '90s. We need to have that era of music that was." You know how old you guys are. I know. I mean, just <laughs> rolling in here with 80s. our walkers. I know. How sad is that? <laughs> Good lord. Uh, man. I mean, it's like bring back the, the the guys and girls who made that freestyle era great, and then we're just wondering like what happened to them. And now I see like there's freestyle festivals come to the Orleans. There's like 17 acts and stuff. So it's like, yes, Stevie B. Yes, Lisa, Lisa, and the Cult Gym. <laughs> I mean, those are great names. Great throwbacks for sure. Uh, somewhat similar. I went to uh, Lovers and Friends not too long ago, oh, yes. which was more late '90s, early 2000s. Yes, that was you. that was the day. That was good. That was a good. That was, was the evolution good. of freestyle. A lot of Nelly, some Nelly, some Mace, <laughs> some uh, some Jodeci. Yes, that was a good time. That <laughs> was a good time. Yeah. Was, was there love in the stands? Was uh, was it just like well, it was uh, like 135 degrees? So oh, there wasn't a whole. There was good. I think more just trying to survive. <laughs> More than anything, but right. yes, it was a good time. Everyone was retaining fluids instead of spending them because it was uh, you're on your own. It's a survival method. The water was a little expensive, so it was tough. But then they, they started giving away for free, so people people lived. We were <laughs> yeah, good. We were pe- good. People uh, falling out left sure. and right. Sure. I think uh, I think Freestyle Wednesday it has its own uh, you know uh, track. Like after a while, you're like, I don't know if we should keep doing this because the music stays in your head all day long, and you're like, I don't. I can't do this. Well, that's so you did mention 80s music. I will say I, I was on, at Starbucks on the way here because there was no chance I was going to be on radio at 7 a.m. with no coffee. Uh, no chance. And the line at my preferred coffee place was far too long. Yeah. I would have been here at like 745. <laughs> so I had to go into Starbucks and they were playing 
Some Madonna Ooh. at Starbucks at six thirty. Ooh, like Lucky was, Star or something like that. That was exactly what it was. Ah, at, God, at six thirty in the morning on a Wednesday, totally unnecessary. But it was stuck in my head. I, I had to get in the car and uh, throw on some hip hop and get that out of my head. <laughs> right, because right, that's the last thing you need to see. Madonna's not the worst. And right. us being Detroit kids, you and you and me, sure. Uh, originally, you know, Madonna is a, a local legend. Yes, back in Detroit. I know. There's there's lines of guys saying I took Madonna to the prom. So I'm not, of course. <laughs> so I'm not saying Madonna is trash. I mean, there's a time and a place. Six thirty a.m. on a Wednesday is not the time and the place. It's not the time, but it is the time for uh, strange people to be harassing others in line at Starbucks to ask you every question you've ever seen. Adam almost like got accosted just by somebody who was just like, "Oh, you're wearing a UNLV hat. Let's it's talk rough. about UNLV." It's rough, and it's also. Look, I, I'm usually the kind of person that gets kind of caught in that. Yeah, where we if, magnet, we're magnets to that Sure, stuff. if somebody starts, like, talking to you, I just feel <laughs> it's wrong to just walk away. Yes. But I had to be, I had, I had a time constraint. I had to be in here, and somebody just walked over to me and just was dying. He was, <laughs> let's say I don't think he was all there necessarily. <laughs> well, he hadn't had his coffee. dying yet. to have a conversation. Yeah. And was just pointing out everything, trying to hope it would spark <laughs> something. So as I, as I had... You know, I had mobile ordered my coffee. I walked in and grabbed it. Oh, that looks good. What is that? <laughs> Cold brew with almond milk. Oh, really? Oh, I'm going to try that. Do you think I should try it? I'm like, I, I don't know what you like, sir. I'm going to leave. <laughs> I think you should try to sit like, back down. Is there like a little foam in there? Is a foam? And I was like, I, yeah, it's, uh, if you can see what there's, you can look at this. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm wearing a UNLV hat. He's like, oh, UNLV, huh? What do you think? I'm like, I, I think. I don't. About you just made a statement. Yeah. I, I don't have any thoughts. Okay. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm just kind of walking out. Because usually I would acknowledge that and have a conversation. I don't want to just walk away and be like, listen, you're, you know, you're clearly. Yeah, I have to go the other way. There's clearly happening. Yeah. So I will, I will stand here. around and I'll kind of get caught in that. But I, I just didn't have time. I had to get out of there. But it was. It was troubling, and I think the employees were hoping that I would have a conversation so they wouldn't have to, because right. it seemed like he had been like a 45-minute conversation with them when I walked in, and they were over it. <laughs> yeah, it was well, rough. It takes a long time to figure out what you really want at Starbucks, and you have to take a consensus from others actually. in line. It doesn't. You just order and go in and <laughs> oh, get really? it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It seemed a lot easier than that. No, I... I, as I was driving uh, as a stop, at a stoplight, I wasn't actually driving. Uh, I just ordered my coffee and got it, and there's no there's no process. You just know what you want. You know what? There's no it thinking. Be very easy. I feel sorry for this guy. You know, he's putting way too much thought into it. You know, we're back here on Morning, morning Tailgate, Radio Nation Radio. Adam is a um, you know a longtime writer with Las Vegas Review Review Journal, and also covers the Raiders with the uh, you know Vegas Nation and the RJ, as well as the MMA and UFC. Uh, and it's uh, you know it, it's that moment of like you feel like the summer is one thing where the sun is constantly out. You know, it's it, it still feels like you know. It's the summer, but it's football season begins tomorrow. I mean, and it's like this is the real campaign when it when they hit pads, the Raiders hit pads. You, you know things are coming, and we'll talk about you know possible position battles that have been brewing around. And the depth chart was released yesterday for the exhibition that happens Stop against it. the Jags. Stop I, it! I, I no, know, it wasn't. I know. I know it. Oh my god! I, I mean, we're, we'll get into it because that's you know the, we the minutia of you know the team and the Raiders and the organization is what we do. Yes. Um, and it's what I do every day, even when I'm not, it's, it's, you know, most of my day is spent kind of looking over the minutia and going over it. And I get the death chart is a very exciting thing, but man, I saw like reaction videos up on YouTube yesterday <laughs> to the death chart, settle down, settle down. Like I get it. You want, you just want that, you know, f you want to feed the beast. I get it. That's, it's oh, yes. what most of my job is. I understand it, but man, the overreactions to the first depth chart. <laughs> 
crazy. It's a life or death thing. It's almost like this tells us everything we need to know about the season going like, forward. Yeah, it's not It's not the map to the Holy Grail. It's a preseason death chart. There's nothing like it. And, and I, I saw like on Raider Nation Radio, I think Q had tweeted out the first, uh, and he put it out on R&R 920 AM, and, and I think he said something like, you know, Nothing to get excited yeah. about, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want this to like avalanche into something. This is just a, the preliminary official depth chart that happens before every game, and this just happens to be an exhibition game. But you know what? People take it the other way, and they can't help it because they want football so badly. And I don't blame them. No, I get it. I, I mean, every little thing, like I said, every little thing is going to be a big deal. Every little thing is going to be blown up. When the in the regular season, the depth chart is it's not the be all end all. You don't have to abide by it, but it's it's fairly accurate. There's it tells you some it gives you some insight. That first regular season depth chart will tell us a little bit a little something about where the team is going. This one, it may have been filled out by an intern. <laughs> right. I, I don't I, I, like I don't think Josh McDaniels is pouring over the depth. <laughs> okay, this is really important. It's yeah, he's not setting the NCAA tournament bracket. He's just they need to put something out, so they put something out. Yeah, I mean, they're like, all right, do you know Excel? Yes, good. Can you put out something with a couple tables on it? And uh, we're just going <laughs> to sure. roll right in, copy and paste some things over here, and then we can get this thing out. We appreciate it, your hard work, and we'll need another coffee uh, in a few minutes. But it's like, yeah, this is not something that is rocket science, nor is it laid, stayed in stone. But I think there are some position battles that are kind of coming up that you want to know. Uh, what's the end game here? And we'll get into all that as the show progresses. But also, uh, already, already this morning, seeing tweets about other Raiders, other places that we can get into too. Oh, just, really? There's been two already in the in the what four minutes that we've been on the uh, air here. There's been really? two tweets about former Raiders <laughs> in new places. I got Raiders in <laughs> other places. <laughs> that's, that's not. I know it's Freestyle Wednesday. That's not a song. It's not. But I thought I'd get rid of the uh, the Lucky Star forever. Yeah, uh, you'll never think of that Madonna tune ever again after that. I got Raiders in other places. Will <laughs> definitely be a welcome change to Lucky Star. Uh, before we get into uh, take a break, we will just acknowledge Vince Scully, the passing of the great uh, broadcaster. Who um, I mean, maybe just call him a broadcaster. He's probably not enough. I mean, one of the uh, you know the voices of baseball, one of the voices of uh, you know of network television for many years. When he would you know not just do Dodger baseball, but he'd do games of the week for football, and he was just everywhere. It was insane. He called, what he a guy called could the do catch. It. He called the catch. Yeah, Willie Mays. I wa- no, not not Willie Mays. <laughs> I mean the, the, the Dwight, Dwight, Dwight Clark, Dwight the Clark. catch from Joe Montana. I watched the highlight <laughs> clip last night. It just the you know kind of going through Vince Scully's career. It was it was rough, and and you know the the fact that he was a Giants fan growing up, and the Giants made him fall in love with baseball, and the Dodgers are uh, are the team that he called games for for his entire career and became synonymous with is 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 a pretty cool story. It's cool. He uh, he wanted to go and be the Giants broadcaster, uh, for taking over for Red Barber, and you know who took over that job? It was Ernie Harwell, somebody who. <laughs> shaped our childhood <laughs> right the voice of the tigers yeah. for 50 years you know yeah. so it's like it's great to have you know that kind of lineage that goes backwards but you know it's it, it, it was awesome when he was there because he could tell stories he could take you away from baseball but yet still bring it back and that's why he was both the radio and tv voice um i want to play just a couple of pieces of audio just of when uh maybe vin towards the end of the career i wouldn't call him the golden era the golden age but like he was still funny i don't know and, i don't okay i don't know what you have is one of them the Madison Bumgarner yes. story? Yes. So like, it, it's incredible. And the, and the fact that you know that he was still – this is what's great about it, and, and you're going to hear the, the clip in a second. But the fact that he, at that age, at that advanced age, when he was – I believe when he told the story, he was like 87 or 88. 
to still be at that stature of your career where you don't you you can do no wrong. You don't have to try anymore. No, you you, you just show up. That he's still out there talking to players, getting these stories, hearing this background on them, and having something to relate to the fans is incredible. And that that's what I take from this. More than I know a lot of people are focused on, hey, it's a great story, it's funny, and all those things. <laughs> but to me, it's a guy that was still grinding, that that had that stature, that was that much of a legend, and didn't have to do it anymore, and was still grinding. That's inspirational. I don't have it. Uh, uh, what I have what? is the I, what I have is the fight between Yasiel Puig and so, Madison Baumgartner. Okay, this is different. Okay, it's different. So I'll tell you, th- th- this was circulating last night on Twitter, so it, okay. it's fine. Uh, he got a story from Madison Baumgartner that Madison Baumgartner and his wife were out hiking, and they found a rattlesnake in a bush that was kind of threatening them in their, on their hike. Oh my god! So Madison Baumgartner took out an axe, which why he had an axe, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. and chopped up the snake, <laughs> and inside the snake. They found two bunny, baby bunnies that the snake had eaten. One was still alive. <laughs> and so they then nurtured that baby bunny back to health and released it back into the wild. Cool story. But again, the fact that Vince Scully had taken the time to sit down and talk to Madison Bumgarner to find out this great story and to relay it on the air is incredible. I mean, and, and to have it that all in detail that you never heard that story until Vin goes and explains and, and, it. And by the way, and in it, between, and as Vince Cully would do, which was his greatness, you know, he took out the axe, he started chopping at the snake, that pitch is low and away, two and one, and you're like, he, he just ties in <laughs> the call of the game, which is incredible. <laughs> he used to do that as well, like for like uh, like Friday the 13th, like when Friday the 13th would come on, he would always have like this bevy of stories that would, you know, seemingly tie in as a ground ball would go to short. You have to go back maybe to an 1869 biography of a musician where they referred to it as a bad day. The pitch to A.J. is low. In numerology, the number 12 is considered completeness. You know, 12 months of the year, 12 hours on the clock, 12 gods of Olympus, 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles of Jesus, the 12 successes of Muhammad in Shia Islam, 12 signs of the Zodiac for that matter as well. The number 13, however, is considered irregular. Okay. Like, you never knew what you're going to get for Vin, but I only got a chance to see him, like, work once, and when he came to Cashman Field for a, uh, like, a preseason exhibition game for, uh, they like to do a big league weekend here in, in Las Vegas, and so the confines at Cashman Field were not very large, and he didn't have, like, a private little booth, but I got a chance to see him. He had two big scrapbook folders. <laughs> one, I think, was just with Dodgers, and I think one had opponent type information and it was like scrapbooked where it was like there'd be different colors of sheets of paper cut and taped onto each page so he would be flipping through it and that's how i think maybe that was just part of his greatness i can't say i knew what was on those pages but it was an, a non-stop chronicling of baseball and the stories that he wanted to do and he kept it fresh like you said at age 87 you don't have to keep it fresh he did Dude, I, I actually do have a, a kind of a personal story with vin scully now, do we have time for it, or do we have to do we have to tell it after? Uh, okay, I think we have time for okay, it. Go okay. ahead. So, I covered the uh, the first two games of Bryce Harper's career. You know, obviously local here, Bryce Harper in Las Vegas, grew up here, uh, got called up to the Nationals uh, to play at Dodger Stadium. That was going to be his first two games, which was cool because a lot of his family could go down there on the West Coast, make the drive. Uh, myself and another reporter from the from the newspaper got in the car and drove down to cover the game. We covered. 
the game on, I believe it was a Friday night game. Oh, my God. And then also the Saturday. Yes. So the Friday we'd been around, uh, talked to Bryce, did the whole stories and everything. And then Saturday stayed around to see how it would go, talked to his family and all that. And I walked up in the press box. And as I walked into like the little dining area in the press box at Dodger Stadium, I saw him talking to a couple people. Vince Gulley was just sitting there kind of holding court in there. And I didn't uh, – yeah, I was kind of intimidated. Obviously, Vince Gulley, one of the legendary figures in, in you know sports media and broadcasting and, and baseball and everything. I just kind of stood back and I was like, I just want to see how this is going. I want to I yes. witness what's going on here. I don't know what they're doing. And what he was doing was telling stories of some of the debuts that he's witnessed. He's like, oh, I got to see the first game of this guy. I got to see the first game of this guy. And I was just, I was just so dumbfounded by how impressive these awesome stories were. And then he noticed that I was just kind of shyly, creepily hanging back. And he just said, sit down, young man. And I was like, whoa, oh, what? Oh, no. What? He acknowledged you nuts. and said, sit down? And said, sit down. And then I got to listen to about 20 more minutes of him just talking about you know, some of the great. And I could not remember. I can't remember a single thing he said, but he was so nice. <laughs> and it, it, it blew me away that he was just such a friendly person to have that kind of stature in your, in your life and that kind of you know, clout that you could – you know, literally the biggest stars in the world would would just be like cowering in his presence almost. And yet he was just so friendly and so nice and was so gracious with his time. It was it was incredible. And how many guys that would you know that you would be somewhat starstruck with yeah. and also be like, Wow, you're you're you talking to me and I can sit down yeah. with you? Like like that doesn't happen for us anymore. No. That all that was gone years ago. Because that's yeah. part of our job, you know, that's what we yeah. do. But he was one that even you know, even have having, you know, covered and interviewed and talked to, you know, many big time figures, he was one that was like, Whoa, this is this is different. And for him to just kind of like he he could obviously see that I was just kind of trying to take it in and didn't want didn't feel like I was a part of it, but at the same time was like you know come over here join join this conversation. It was, God, it was such a cool moment. That is so cool that for him to still be in like yeah I can I see what you're doing come over here because I want you to sit down. That's that's beautiful. Like, all right, we got some people that are calling in and that want to share in this. Let's do them right now, real quick. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. You're on Raider Nation Radio on the morning tailgate. Good morning to you. Morning, morning, fellas. God bless. God bless, 211. What's up? Hey, I had to call in because you guys know me. I don't shy away from it. My Raiders are my one love, but my Dodgers are right <laughs> with a very close second. And uh, we lost some, We lost somebody very special. I, I, that dude, man, to hold the position for 67 years and, do, and to do everything he's done. And I'll tell you guys right now, whether it's the Raiders, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's sports, it's people in the industry and the games that are being played that get the, get a lot of us working class that turn to these sports and these announcers and commentators to get us through some of our hard times in life. Uh, for somebody to hold that position and entertain us as fans, I had to call and just tip my hat. Uh, and I want to read something that, uh, to me, is Vince Gully. And uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to read it real quick. No, please do. From the South Bay to the Valley, from the West Side to the East Side, everybody's very happy because the sun is shining all the time. Looks like another perfect day. I love L.A. And Vince Gully, you are L.A. Rest in peace. Prayers to the family. Uh, Dodger fans, stay up. Uh, let's go get this one for Vince. 
Oh, beautiful. Wow, 211. Thank you for the call, man. That's excellent. Got to compete with those Padres now. It's going to be tough. Uh, to that point, though, of the, the 67 years, it was such a such a part of people's lives. And he said, like, uh, you know, it's a getaway from whatever's going on in your life that you can just tune in and, and always know you're going to have that voice and have somebody not only tell you about the game that's going on, and and describe you know what's happening uh, on the field and with the Dodgers and and um, and to call call the game and tell you the action, but also to just have those stories that you're always going to be able to kind of you know take you away from whatever is going on in your life and, and just kind of get immersed in in Vince Scully for three hours. It's nothing like it, and they, you you know, and during baseball season, you know, you take guys like that with you when you go on your vacation, when you're doing road trips, they're with you in your car all the way up there, and next thing you know, you realize that as a child when you were listening, now you're an adult listening with your children, and all that stuff that keeps going full circle, Vin was a part of that, and he braced uh, the history for so many people, millions you, and millions of fans. It, it, it's, it's kind of funny, you mentioned I mean, both of us being from Detroit originally, Ernie Harwell was that guy. He was, wasn't he? Yes. For, for us, and especially, you know, uh, was WJR, the signal was the entire East Coast, basically. <laughs> you could hear it anywhere. You could be driving in, like, St. Louis and hear it. And so he was that guy, and I thought there was – I thought in my little world there was nothing ever going to be like that. And then you kind of discover as you get older, like, oh, there, there is another person out there. Oh, it's somebody even more iconic and, and more, uh, you know, <laughs> more tied in, more, uh, uh, you know, synonymous with the with a team. And it's Vince Scully. It was it was crazy. I felt that way too. I always felt like a little like uh, defensive. Oh you yeah. Know? Like I don't know, Ernie Harwell just as good, just as old. Ernie's, Ernie's great. <laughs> Ernie's great. Yeah, great. And uh, they came from the same cloth out of New York and the great uh, established radio market out of there. And the love for baseball continues. We'll play some more uh, great Vin throughout the show, and we'll talk a little more Raiders as we get into the next part of the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. It's Adam Hill, Clay Baker, and you. Let's go. He caught the ball, Jim said. He caught the ball. He caught the Blinken ball. He caught the darn ball. Oh, oh you're gone. That is Blinken fertilizer. <laughs> I'm doing the best to translate. You gotta be blinking me. Unbelievable. Blinken, unbelievable. No way. No blinking way. No bloody way. Raider Nation Radio on a Freestyle Wednesday, the morning tailgate. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal and VegasNation.com is with me as we will go through uh, leading up to the Raiders Jaguars game. Jaguars game tomorrow. This song is a little too lucky star. It is. Yeah, that's what that's the mixed yeah. bag you get with freestyle. Yeah. You know? Be in your head all day, man. You're going to be trying to enjoy Del Mar, and this is going to be ruining the surf and the turf. Just trifectas all day the next four days. Can't wait. <laughs> Do you remember that one time when you were to uh, you were in San Diego, and uh, you were like, it was when uh, Kesha's song came out, uh, and it was like constantly playing, like you were walking in and out of like bars, restaurants, and it was like the same. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Kesha was playing, and yeah. it was like, that. that's what this is going to be like. I hope not. No. I hope there's other music playing. Uh, actually, it's a track, not much music. But uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get some uh, we'll hear some songs maybe. I like the l- traditional music that they play with sure. the the brass band and stuff. When well, you, you know, get like, the, the the call to the post, yes, the call to the post. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. there's a bugler or whatever that musical <laughs> instrument is. They'll hear that music. It'll be good. Yeah, you'll be back on. It'll be Pavlovian responses. Time to bet 
we looked at the Raiders depth chart yesterday and uh, you know not only did we love the uh, acrimony and perhaps the false outrage that was out there on social media about the Raiders first official depth chart for the exhibition game but I just want to ask you just in the in the what we've been hearing from Josh McDaniels and other guys talking about the running back room in of itself when you see that okay so for the depth chart you see maybe Josh Jacobs at the you know in the front okay fine with that Brandon Bolden and Zamir White just behind him. And okay, so now you're thinking, all right, are we, is this more of a depth chart to see who's going to be playing a little bit more than others? I don't expect to see Josh Jacobs out there no. for, for the exhibition. No. He does, there's, it's not imperative for him to be there at all. But could we actually see Zamir White? Because we weren't able to see Zamir White much at all during portions of the practice that were available. Or, or what, what did we see? He did. Zamir White has practiced a couple times the last last couple of practices he was out there. So I, <laughs> I think he is, I and mean, he was he was full go. There didn't seem to be any limitations. So I would expect uh, maybe we do see him out there on the field. I mean, listen, somebody has to play. I, I know that we always joke about it in the exhibitions. Nobody plays. Somebody has to. You're going to have to have yeah. people playing. You know, right? last, I mean, last year it was only Nathan Peterman in all the games uh, <laughs> as the quarterback. But uh, yeah, you've you've got to you've got to use some of your guys, and I think rookies in particular have to get out there. And and the other the other part of this, and the Raiders do have an extra preseason game this year, so they can manage a little bit differently. But they're not hitting. Excuse me. They, they are hitting in practice. There's no tackling to the ground in practice at all. None. None. And that's by design that they're they're you know they're valuing health over everything else, which I think is is the right approach. Look what's going on in all these other camps. Guys just going down left and right. So I think it's the right approach. Uh, but you have to hit at some point. You have to take hits at some point. You have to see how a running back can fight through the contact. You have to see how a running back in live action. You know more than anything, I think people forget this all the time, even though it's an obvious thing. Like running the ball is only one part of a running back's job. You got to learn how to pick up you know blitz protections, all those things. That and you need to do that with you know with live bullets. So you can't you know you can simulate it some in practice, but uh, you have to see what it's like against a scheme that you don't know what's coming and all those other things. So you got to get those guys out there, especially rookies, and see how they play. So I, I would expect Zamir White to be out there a little bit. Okay, good because I was wondering like how far ahead was he? Because they kept saying you know well he's absorbing everything, he's doing everything a rookie should be doing. Sure. And the portions that we didn't see and well, it didn't seem like he was well, out there. Uh, and I think some of those look a lot of a lot of the answers that you're going to hear at Raiders camp are. You know, it, it's Josh McDaniels has learned from the best. Um, while Bill Belichick mumbles and says nothing, mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels likes to be very eloquent and say nothing. It'll be like a forty-five second answer. Where you're like, "Wow, that was really good." And then you go to transcribe it. Oh, he didn't say anything. Uh, <laughs> he also said that they haven't even discussed or thought about who's going to play and how much in the game, which is silly. Right. I mean, if that was really the case, then the entire staff should be fired. Right. Of we're course just, they've talked about it. They've we're, discussed it. We're, we're going to bring back Trey Vegas to play <laughs> right, running back. Right. He hasn't been in camp all so, year. So, yeah, I mean, you have to read it. You have to read into a lot. But uh, I think the other part of that is about three different times during training camp, players and coaches were asked, how does Zamir White look out there by people that were asking questions at press conferences but weren't on the practice field and didn't realize he wasn't practicing. Yes. And so you say, well, how does he look out there? What the And the answer wasn't going to be, I don't know, he hasn't practiced yet. They try to give an answer. Uh, so so that was part of that, hey, he's absorbing everything. That was before he practiced. But he's practiced now. He's been out there. We've seen him a little bit. So um, if there is still some lingering issues, maybe he doesn't go. Sure. And, again, they haven't told us who's playing and who's not, which, which is fine. That's their right to do. But um, it'll be a mystery to everybody. I, I obviously don't expect Derek Carr to be playing. I don't expect a lot of the veteran guys no. to be playing. God, no. Uh, but somebody has to play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's possible we see Zamir White some.
Yeah, I think for that running back room, they want to make sure to keep as many people fresh. But you got to also see, like, this is that moment for rookies. Britton Brown and, uh, you know, uh, Yamir Abdullah, who's been in the league for a while, you know, he's going to see some time because he's trying to carve a spot out on yeah. a roster. Yeah, let's let's not forget, I mean, there is a lot of veterans in that room. And, and I Britton Brown has, been, has, has not been practicing, so I don't know that he will necessarily play. Uh, but... Let's let's not forget. As much as there are a ton of running backs and they're established guys and guys that have played in the league at a high level, there's a lot of them, and not everybody can be on the team. So there is still a competition to make the team in the running back room. Uh, you know, I, you know, I would expect a guy like Josh Jacobs is pretty safe. I think Zamir White is fairly safe as a, as a draft pick. Sure, but there's a lot of guys. I mean, Brandon Bolden knows the system. He's been there, done that with the Patriots. Very very trusted by this staff. But then you've also got, as you just mentioned, Amir Abdullah has played at a high level in the NFL. Uh, you know, Kenyon Drake has obviously played at a high level in the NFL. Uh, you got all these all these different bodies that have have you know would expect to make a team. Not everybody's going to be able to. So there is that competition that still has to be sorted out. Yeah, you don't want to uh, you don't want to push like a like a Kenyon Drake right now because you know he's still coming off of an injury and a surgery. Like you know the right side where the ankle is. I mean that is something that has been a, a problem for him as well as the right shoulder. No time to like you know uh, put him out there for the exhibition game. But there will be time when I think they may want to get a, a few looks here and there throughout the preseason. But for this game coming up. Uh, that's why the lines makers make the total around thirty. Okay, well, it's it's, every, it's the same every. The Hall of Fame game is always the year. same every year. It's the same. Thing. It's 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 almost always either like sixteen fourteen or seventeen sixteen. <laughs> it's almost always the same. We you know we talked to a uh, you know pretty sharp handicapper yesterday. He was not recommending this. Okay, so I'm not I'm not giving out a recommendation for people, uh, but I believe he called it a suicide teaser. And he said it's hit like almost every year in the Hall of Fame game, which is a 10-point teaser each way on side and total. So basically, okay. if the game's around pick, which it's right now Jaguars like one, one and a half, but say the game's pick, you get both teams plus 10, and you get 10 points each way of the total, which right now is 30 and a half. So you get over 20 and a half, under 40 and a half. And he said it's almost always hit, which tells you the game is always between 20 and 40. And mm-hmm. always a close game in the Hall of Fame game, almost every year. You have nothing to lose when you play it like that. I mean, you just, I mean, you got to play a, a nice high stake there so you get some rate Listen, of return. I would never play that, <laughs> but I'm just saying it is hit many times. It's like if you like horse racing, you just like, you go up to the booth and you say, all in all, I just want to bet something on every horse. Well, how much does that cost? Yeah, don't don't put that in my head before I go to the track. I don't, I don't wanna, all in all, yeah, I don't, I don't want to don't have that. I don't want to have that option. I'm all just right. going to be hitting the uh, ten cent superfectas and dollar try boxes. Uh, lastly, on the running back room, when the season begins and they have a you know a certain you know con- conglomeration of of talent there, do you feel like the way we have seen how New England's offense would run in the past that the running back room would be something that would be kind of decided by opponent? Uh, each each and every game would kind of be decided differently of who is going to be like that uh, one guy that they would not expect to be running the ball for first downs and getting some huge plays. They kind of have a collection of guys like that. Of course, you're going to have like a Josh Jacobs to be your you know your number one probably explosive runner, but guys like Kenyon Drake and Bolden and you know we'll even see like Zamir White in, in certain exchanges where some games they may have one or two carries and then next time they have seven to nine carries and all you know and big yardage too. So yeah. I, do you find like that that kind of trend will happen from what was in New England for oh, so many years? It'll definitely happen, and, okay. and and they'll certainly try to get the ball to the running backs more uh, out of the backfield as receivers. We've seen that a lot in training camp. Josh Jacobs has been catching a lot of passes is that right? in training camp. In fact, it's been kind of a running joke 
of but he's probably caught more passes in training camp that he's been thrown his entire career with the Raiders. So he's he's been very active in the passing game, as have all the running backs, and that's kind of what the Patriots do for sure. Uh, we've seen that over the years. But look how many catches James White has in his career for the Patriots. And Brandon Bolden has done it with the Patriots for a long time. So Insane amount of receptions. I would expect that. But th- this, I was looking at this stat, and I actually tweeted out the other day from uh, Pro Football Focus put it out. It's hard to describe it uh, without seeing the numbers on, on paper. But essentially, the Patriots are last in the league, have been traditionally last in the league under Josh McDaniels, in how often their leading rusher gets the majority of the carries. So basically <laughs> basically what that means is they spread the ball out to a lot of different running backs like all the it. time. They never have yeah. a guy who is the number one back always getting the ball. Uh we just uh we were talking to one of the Patriots beat writers uh two days ago, uh Mike Reese who covers the Patriots for oh, ESPN.com sure. and I asked him about that. I said, you know, obviously, you know, Josh Jacobs is has been the number one guy. How much do you think they're going to adjust and say, hey, he's the number one guy. He's getting the majority of the carries when that's not what they've done. They've never done that. They've never said, hey, here's the guy. Fantasy players know this. You can't have any part of the Patriots' backfield because they never have one guy. Never, except and, for that one year with LeGarrette Blunt and other in end. It's no, been even, even then, he went back even further, and he said, you're wrong. They have had one guy get the bulk of the carries. 2004, oh. Corey Dillon. Oh, right. They got him from Cincinnati. 18 years ago, they had one guy that actually was like a bell cow guy, but it very rarely happens with the Patriots. My God, you're right. I forgot about that. It's a a fantasy like a deluge of like, all right, you want to invest money? Do you think you have the the idea and you've got the monopoly of wisdom of what the running back system will be? You're wrong. And and as you know, you know, I've I've covered the league for a few years, but I also, you know, I'm an obsessed fantasy player. I've been a fantasy player far longer than I've been covering the league. And that's always been it's a running thing. It's the Patriots are so frustrating for fantasy players. Now for fans, who cares? I don't think you care as a fan who's getting the majority of the carries as long as you're winning and scoring. Like that's what matters. It doesn't matter who gets the touches. But for fantasy players, the Patriots have always been very, very frustrating in terms of their backfield usage. And I think the Raiders, you know, Raiders fans should probably be looking at that in terms of what's going to happen with this team. A lot of guys are going to get a, a lot of touches this year, and it's not necessarily going to be one guy. No, in Josh, you trust uh, because that is a system that has worked very well, and very few teams have ever been able to like you know uh, find an answer for it because every opponent is treated differently. It's Adam and Clay here on the Morning Tailgate Raider Nation Radio. We'll step aside and we'll come back. Uh, we also have tickets to Rob Zombie, Mudvayne, and Powerman Five Thousand. We'll give those away later on in the third hour. But coming up next, I think we got to find out. Where Raiders are in other places, a uh, a little segment to uh, to uh, wet your beak a little on where are they now here on Raider Nation Radio. Carr breaks the huddle and goes back into the gun. Play clock is inside of seven. Takes the snap, fires to over deep left side, caught end zone, jackpot baby, touchdown Vegas, Kenyon Drake. A 31-yard scoring strike to the running back. It's a freestyle Wednesday on Raider Nation Radio. The morning tailgate. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm Clay Baker. We'll talk to Eddie Borsilli from SiriusXM in just a few minutes at the top of the next hour. Uh, Want to get in touch with... Uh, We'll definitely get back to the depth chart and some interesting position battles that are taking place for the Raiders as we are uh, 
just a day and a half away from the Raiders kicking off in Canton. And your home for the Las Vegas Raiders will have coverage beginning at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. But, uh, you know, there's... It, even though they may not be on the team anymore, they're still Raiders to us. <laughs> We'd like to have this little segment called uh, something that's uh, referred to as Raiders in Other Places. Raiders in Other Places. Good. You know, Raiders in New Places, Raiders in Other Places. This is good. I think you just said we'd like to have this segment. We just invented this like during the break, so I don't know if we'd like to have the segment. I think it, it took like years of, uh, yeah, of, of, of value and development. To finally get to this point? Yes. Of Raiders in Other Places. <laughs> All right, where's the new place we're, we're for an old Raider? We're going to uh, step into the production room and uh, work <laughs> yeah. on something. All right. Uh, let's start with the, the first one, which is a very simple one, very easy. Uh, Lynn Bowden. Oh, Raider. you mean uh, the the one and only? Uh, I mean the the a, missing link, Mister X, a Raider for like a month and a half. Oh yes, I mean I it, think was, it was more like three three months. They moved up in the draft to get Limbo <laughs> <laughs> because he was going to be what? What was the name that Gruden had for him? It was uh, it, it was like the X Factor. It, it was, was something, it was like, something that. like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was too short to even really catch on. Uh, we hardly knew ye, sure. Lynn Bowden, and then eventually traded to Miami for uh, a, a linebacker that uh, that really just it did not help at all. Sure, Raquan McMillan. Uh, Raquan, I thought Raquan was going to be good. Uh, Wes Welker, who's now the wide receivers coach in Miami. Oh, really? I don't know if a lot of people knew that. Uh, he apparently believes that Lynn Bowden hasn't been involved enough. And it's a point of emphasis in today's practice to get him the ball. <laughs> That's really, big. Wes Welker pounding the table for Lim Bone. That's big. Oh, that was just that man. was just the appetizer. We have a, we have an actual update, <laughs> and actually the second the se- this update involves three former Raiders. Whoa, whoa! A new places. Raiders all over the country in races. We're gonna have to rethink the song. Yeah, not, this is a it's not great. Nope, it's struggling. Yeah, it's, <laughs> maybe we have somebody sing it instead of you. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's a it's a twist. Though. I mean, the first former Raider is this tweet is from Matt Schneidman, former beat writer for the Raiders, who now covers the Packers. So that's the first former Raider. That is the first former Raider. <laughs> so Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Packers, had his press conference this morning. And apparently one of the things he said at the press conference was that he believes it was literally seconds from the time the Raiders cut Dallin Levitt till Rich Passaccia came running into his office and said, we need this guy on our team. So Rich Passaccia, former interim coach of the Raiders, of course, former special teams coach, now the special teams coach in Green Bay demanded Dallin Levitt be signed by the Packers, and they immediately signed him. He is looking like he's going to be a special teams ace for okay. them up in Green Bay. So that's Rich Passaccia, Dallin Levitt, and Matt Schneidman all in that update. That's really good. I mean, that's like a you know the triumvirate of, uh, of former Raiders in new places. Now, that's the thing about like Rich Passaccia was like taking over the worst special teams unit probably in the NFL. I mean, it was evident in that playoff game loss to the Niners, but Dallin Levitt was somebody that was not out there for very long. And that's hilarious that Passaccia was immediately covering that and coveting uh, what Dallin could do. I mean, I don't know what his role would be on the team, but... Uh, special teammates. Special teams. Yeah. That, that's, you know, he did do that to a you know a solid degree here in, in 
Vegas. He Got was, speed. Yes. You know, a, a, a decent special teams performer for them. I don't. I don't know that uh, this administration saw him as much of a defensive player, but special teams is where he's kind of made his his mark a little bit in the NFL. So. Um, you know, good, good for Dallin Levitt to catch on somewhere else and for Rich Passaccia, for him to have made that kind of impression on Rich Passaccia that he feels you know comfortable with his new job to just really pound the table and say, we need this guy. Right. He'll probably just play special teams, but we are making a move for him. And yeah. uh, I hope Dallin takes the time to well, write out a thank you note and, to Rich Passaccia sure, the way Passaccia would write to him. Sure. Yes. yes <laughs> the thank you notes. Uh, and you know it, it, it makes sense. Look, they brought in Rich Passaccia for a reason, as you said. It cost them... Potentially a trip to the Super Bowl. Certainly a trip to the next round of the NFC playoffs last year. Unreal. Uh, this, you know, the offense wasn't great, but the special teams really let them down on several occasions. But in, in particular, in the playoffs. So hey, if it's going to help, if you're going to have a a guy on the roster that's going to help out on special teams and a new special teams coach that feels comfortable with him, that's something you're probably going to want to do because you know what can happen if your special teams are not on point. The Packers saw that firsthand. Uh, they could be a whole wipeout of coaches if they allow special teams again to ruin another home playoff game. My God, they've had these games set up on a tee for them. Yeah, and the defense came through and the offense didn't, but it was really the special teams that let them down. The Joker. That was the name I was thinking that of. Was. Limbaugh and the right. Joker. Did somebody text that in? Yes, Rocky yeah, Mountain Raider Dave Great. in Denver. It was um, the Joker. <laughs> the Joker. It, it, it was... <laughs> Oh, we hardly knew ye, Lynn Bowden, the Joker. The, the era never lasted long enough. All right, one more for Raiders in New Places. Damon Arnett. Oh, don't, don't, don't do this. Still at home. Uh, he's, he's not on anyone's roster. Well, home, uh, is, home is better than the alternative. He was in jail just a couple days ago. Yes, uh, charges were filed uh, yeah, a couple weeks ago in Miami-Dade County for possession of a controlled substance and drug paraphernalia. Posted bail out of custody, due in court August 25th. But his attorney, Ross Goodman, son of Oscar Goodman and Mayor Carolyn Goodman, said, whatever team gets Damon at this point gets a new and improved Damon. <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, it's unfortunate really? timing. So the, the story on this also was that Ross was appearing, and I've known Ross for a long time. Uh, he's represented a bunch of MMA fighters, and I used to obviously cover that sport for a long time. Uh, and he's a he's a, a great lawyer. Yes, he is, and, and very cool. You know, very accessible to the media. We'll we'll talk about the cases, which is is, is very nice as well. Um, he gave that statement because he was appearing for Damon in court here in Las Vegas. He gave that statement to one of our reporters at the RJ, not knowing that Damon Arnett actually at that moment was in jail in Florida. My God, man. Said, hey, it's a new Damon. Didn't know at the time that Damon was behind bars at the moment. Damon, that's, that's, a, that's rough timing for a lawyer. Oh, that is so tough, especially for Ross, who's got yeah. – I mean, you talk about somebody who's re- – like, he will uh, he will defend you to his dying declaration yeah. and, and a very prepared guy. But even he could not keep up that fast to Damon. Damon's a busy guy. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not – it's not funny. It's a, it's a pretty sad story. Hope, you know, especially if it doesn't turn around at some point. And right now, it doesn't look like there's much. You know that that that's on the immediate horizon. You just hope for the, for the best for you know somebody to figure it out. Yes, that's a lot of talent to be. You know, not not being pursued right now. I mean, in this time last year, you know he's on a he's on a trajectory to make a starting roster as cornerback in the Gus Bradley system. And then one year later, think about where things can go. It's going in the wrong direction, and we hope he gets some help yeah. because it, it, nothing can get this bad, but we've seen it get worse. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Thanks to Raiders and other places. I like that. 
Uh, you know what? It's good to remember uh, the yeah. past. Yes. <laughs> but I'm really fired up for Lim Bowden and Wes Welker pounding the table for him. Well, I don't know what the can Joker. happen for that. The Joker. The Joker is back. It's 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 uh it's the heartwarming story you've come to expect from the morning tailgate. We'll take a break. Come back. Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM joins us next. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about Tat, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news: all Tat products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. 